Thank you all for your faithfulness. What happened to your uh, your buddy that usually does that? Oh, she's home holding a baby right now, probably. All right. Turn in your Bible with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8. <clears throat> Luke, chapter 8. We're going to look at a passage that is well known, something that we have spoken uh, concerning a number of times over the years, but I really have believed that there is a prophetic rhema through the living word that God wants to release to us from this passage today. This is about the, uh, the parable of the sower. And we're going to read, um, I could have chosen um, another gospel account of this, but I felt that the, the passage in Luke was where the Lord was wanting us to um, explore. So what verse did I tell you to begin with? Thank you, Scott. Verse 4. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up with it, sprang up with it, and choked it. Another fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare forth an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then comes the, the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. That which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Excuse me. There are several factors here that I believe the Spirit wants us to focus on. And the first is that Jesus spoke about being the hundredfold, and he, he cried out, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Can you imagine that? The Lord is teaching this. These people have all come together, and he's saying, a sower went out. And then all of a sudden, when he finishes, the Bible says that he cries out, he yells, 
He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, you would have thought that if it was just to get people's attention, he would have done that before he gave the parable, don't you think? That would only make sense. But what he was really then saying was the follow-up when the disciples said, what does this parable mean? And Jesus said that unto you it is granted that you would understand the mysterion, the mysteries of the kingdom. But everybody else is going to hear but they're not going to be able to really perceive because they don't really desire to do so. And I think that in the world in which we're living, but particularly as saints, there are all kinds of things that are going on around us, and we see them. A lot of them are just activity. Some are threatening in appearance. But so many of them really aren't going to have any bearing on what happens in the months to come. And when God is speaking to us, um, he is often laying strategic steps towards something that's coming, and he's just building us in the walk of faith, the mysterion. And so, really, when Jesus cried out, he was appealing to people so that they would be willing to learn and to walk in the pathway of the mysteries. And a lot of people aren't really interested in that because it takes an investment. It takes, it takes uh, a desire to keep following. And one of the things that we're probably going to study in the near future are a, a revisiting of the he that has an ear, let him hear passages. And in, specifically, um, when it comes to the book of Revelation, when Jesus um, is, is saying what the Spirit is saying to the ecclesia. And, and I'm thinking more and more that every time the Lord spoke about it, he that hath an ear, he was really asking for people to delve into the deeper things of the Spirit and particularly when it comes, and to overcome. You see an overcoming attached in those appeals. But in Revelation, the risen Lord is talking about the ecclesia. And my question is, which dimension of the Spirit is he talking about there? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the ecclesia. And, and I think that one of the themes that we're going to revisit during seminar is that spirit within through which we have our affection according to the Scripture, through which we have understanding according to the Scripture. And it's not a matter of the mind, even though the mind has to submit to it. It's a matter of letting God's spirit within that is born again only through the blood of Christ guide us into truth. And if we're going to be overcomers, we've got to be willing to, to be led by the Spirit into a deeper thing. And so Jesus crying this out in the middle of his first uh, uh, speaking forth of the parable, and then he's talking to the disciples about, okay, uh, this is the mystery of the Lord. It's an invitation to let the Spirit guide us within. And the whole parable itself 
is speaking of varying degrees of success in regard to the Word, the eternal logos of God. And at the very beginning, we find that the enemy is all about eliminating that. You know, the first dimension of the sowing, the Bible specifically says, and I don't know uh, who all has a problem with the existence of the devil, uh, needs to take a real good look at words that are written there in red, because Jesus specifically says the devil comes, and he yanks up those parts of, of the logos that is there on the well-beaten path. And um, I see that the enemy is trying to do that today. Specifically, we know that there has been an, an, an unusual uh, strategy of the enemy to try to, to, to debunk the word of God in just in the past couple of years. Now, he's always hated the word. We, we know that. And we could go through historical accounts of how uh, he has attacked people that have wanted the word of God, and we, we understand that. But I never thought I'd see a time where a lot of mainstream churches were actually attacking the word. I, I never, I never, I never, I remember when I was in high school, a good portion of my friends were Catholic, and they would talk about the Catholic Missal, and they would talk about the various apocryphal books, and, uh, you know, they would come out of their... Uh, their little training sessions that they had in the Catholic schools, and uh, they would like to debate with me because they knew I was one of those uh, infernal Protestants. And uh, I was an unusual fellow there on the school bus uh, and in, on the, in the team I played on because I wasn't part of the, the papist group, you know. And so they would always kind of mockingly talk about how we were just limited to a Bible when they had all these other things that were equal to the Bible. So I kind of grew up with that kind of argument. But I never thought I'd see the day when lots of churches, even on this very road we're on, um, are saying that you don't really need the Bible, and half of it isn't good anymore, and, you know, there are other things equal to the Bible. I never thought I'd see that. So you can see in the mainstream, on the main path, that Satan is trying to yank up the seed of the Logos in every way he can, and it's active all around us. But that's really not the focus of what I feel the Lord is wanting to, to declare into you today because I don't see anybody here that is willing to jettison the word. <laughs> and so um, if, if that is you, um, we can meet you in the back forward foyer later. Um, but this hundredfold business is our, is our objective. And um, remember a few months ago, uh, I, I was privileged to to bring forward the idea that in the Old Testament, the, the word that is uh, utilized to describe somebody that is the gatekeeper, somebody that is um, responsible for uh, commerce and for defense, was called by the very name that was a hundred. And so when Jesus is talking about hundredfold, he really is talking about somebody that is going to not only bring forth a great return, but somebody that is responsible, somebody that is 
um, able to, to deal with strategy and represent him in authority. And that's really what I believe God is wanting you as the saints uh, of, of the kingdom to be doing in this, in this year to come and from henceforth. We've got to be those gatekeepers that God speaks of in his word. And, you know, you just think about this. How many times in the scripture does it talk about the gates? How many times does it equate, like, for instance, the, the, the many times that it speaks about preparing the way of the Lord? Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. Somebody's going to man that. Somebody is going to, to have to uh, be, be willing to be that kind of, of entity in the kingdom. <clears throat> so when Jesus is giving this parable and he attributes to the very end group, that is, and we're going to talk about the characteristics of those gate people uh, that are listed right here, that's really what we should, that we should uh, aim for. And I, I, I know that that's what God is trying to, to do in us. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, the first group is basically a waste because the first dimension of, this, of what the sower did uh, is walked upon and gathered up, devoured by the fowls of the air or the devil. The second group is on a rock, and uh, seed comes, and they immediately embrace it with joy, which is a derivative of grace. They want to go forward. They're there on a rock. But because there's no moisture and also no soil depth, it springs up, and as soon as some type of challenge comes, it's over. And I think that there are a lot of ways you can extrapolate that story because we're supposed to be building our house on a rock. The rock is the word of God. The rock is our foundation in God. Jesus talked about, don't build your house on the sand but on the rock. And then when things come, when waves come, um, you, uh, um, you will be secure. So I'm not, I'm not uh, denigrating being on the rock. But I am saying that there are a lot of places that are established on the rock that are unwilling to go deeper. There are a lot of places that are established on the rock that are un they're, they're settlers and not pioneers. They're parets, perhaps, to some degree, but they're not parats. And you, you can't just stand in the gap and muck it up. <laughs> you know, I'm in the way and I'm, I'm going to stay in the way. And I'm going to be in the way, you know. We we can't just be that. We've got to we've got to keep looking outward, and and um, any any person that wants to go more than a 30, 30 fold return has got to to be willing to not just accept grace and try it out for a while. We're set all on the rock, but but to to be willing to expand from that rock and to have fields to where they're actually seeing a development, not just investing in seeds so somebody else can do it, but to extend out. But as soon as persecution comes, they're done. 
Boy, didn't we fight that here. And every church in our network fought that. I, I give the testimony of the, the pastor in Bennett, since we don't want to talk about things here in the good old USA. Um, the pastor in Bennett, as soon as he started teaching on diversities of tongues and asking the people to pray and um, proscuning and showing it from the scripture, the people were excited. And then, all of a sudden, um, persecution came. And persecution, judgment begins first in the house of God, and so does persecution. And they gave that man, who's still faithful, he and his family, in prayer. He still prays every first Saturday, still contributes words every week, still is being trained uh, regularly by the Benishans, taught. I mean, you know, at some point, those on the rock are going to be tested in grace, and they're going to be persecuted for that step of grace. And you either dig deep and expand out, or you're going to say, that's it. I'm done. Uh, and I pray that even though there is a 30-fold dimension there, uh, it's, it's certainly not 100-fold. I'm just talking what Jesus said here, you know. I'm just saying this is what Jesus, just the factors themselves are what Jesus said, and we've certainly seen that. So we want to go beyond a 30-fold, don't we? We don't want to just accept the word and dabble in grace, and as soon as the first threat on the rock comes, we say, forget it. We, 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 can't, we can't do that. We've already passed that hurdle and But then we came into the next, on the pathway to a hundredfold gatekeepers. And we've seen this happen, too. What does Jesus say? Well, let's go to it, just so you don't think I wasn't paying attention when I read it before. Um, this group had um, fell among thorns. And it's interesting, when you study thorns in the Old Testament, it's always... The, they're always generated by people and opposition from people, but that's another teaching. Uh, and when they heard, they go forth and are choked with three things, cares, riches, and pleasures, and they bring no fruit to perfection. This would, this would probably align with the 60, I would think, um, and they, these folks accomplish things. They're, they're bringing forth fruit. They've dug deeper. And uh, the next step is not for them just to say, hey, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I, I'm certainly bypassing what my father and my forebears did. Um, you see the strategy of the enemy that comes. Three things. Cares. Those urgencies, emergencies, Areas that you have to devote your mental acuity to, and that it just becomes overbearing. Maybe you're managing, and you're you're doing all kinds of things, and and that will affect your ability to go on toward what uh, what God wants next. The second is riches, uh, and uh, riches is plenteous. You know, you you've got blessings all around. And it's kind of hard to imagine how blessings can keep you from moving forward in the Lord. But that does do it if you're not really careful. How you manage your blessing will determine whether you go further 
in the deeper things of God. The third is uh, pleasures, and this is where we get the English word hedonism from. And um, you see that if you, if you trace the root of hedon, you find that it is usually something that gets a hold of you, whether it's lust or some kind of, of desire to press in and do something that is gratifying in, in the ways of iniquity. It can be sexually related. It can be um, uh, some kind of an addiction. It can be other types of things. But one of these three things, or all of them, will attack in this 60-fold thing. I Obviously, I don't think, in just all fairness, that they attack right up front. <laughs> I don't think so. I think somewhere, if you say, I'm going to go ahead and dig deeper. I'm in that 30-fold thing. I'm going to extend out. I'm going to, I'm going to be something more from, for God. And then you begin to see these fruits come. Now, yeah, you should be pruning those thorns so that they don't pierce the fruit. But it's these three things that Jesus speaks that are the real culprit because they're within. That point of blessing that comes to you can either lead you into um, uh, too much attention to where you are, to where you're like Martha, and you're not seeking the greater thing like Mary was doing. Still had to do the work. Somebody had to feed all those guys. But Martha was troubled, and Jesus told her so. Mary sought the greater thing. And so you got to be careful that you don't Marthatize your life. The second is that when blessing starts to come, and it will come, it's just part of being in the kingdom, that you don't take your ease or that you don't become infatuated with, with uh, enjoying them too much or really becoming lazy in the midst of your, of your pleasures. But then the third one is usually has to do with some kind of iniquity, that thorn, that ingrown thorn. And maybe you're there at that point of blessing and you start thinking, like the guy who built bigger barns. Look how great I am. Look at this. I've got all these things. Or then maybe you might think, hey, you know, this now affords me to do something that I've never had the privilege to do. I remember when John Kilpatrick at Brownsville taught at a pastor's conference we went to. He said there's nothing more uh, um, uh, enticing than the anointing. And, and I thought that's really true because when you begin to move in the things of the Spirit, iniquities get stirred up and you find people do all kinds of wacky things that you think, where in the world did that come from? And, and it, this, this point of hedonism can really strike. Maybe you think, okay, look at this blessing. Look at, I'm able to sing, I'm able to play, or I can really teach, or I've been held back, and off you go following iniquity. And instead of being humble and, and doing what you're supposed to do. And it destroys in this pathway to the hundredfold. We've seen that, haven't we? And not without being critical, it's just the box score. We've seen that. Where people have been in this point 60-fold. They've, they've passed by that first 
point of sowing. They've passed by that point of being on the rock and not wanting to go deeper. And they've come into a point of fruitfulness and suddenly, woo, we're getting notoriety. Woo, people are looking at us. Woo, we've got all kinds of blessing. Woo, my goodness, look at the way we're managing, how great we are. Or, you know, finally now I can be fulfilled. Finally now I can you know, that itch that I've been suppressing and God's been telling me to suppress it instead of being healed from it. Now I can just let it be. And they're destroyed. It's not just that they they jettison the fruit. I mean, the fruit is destroyed. And that's terrible. You, you might argue, if you were to really contemplate this, which would be better, to produce fruit and still be on the rock or to really break through into a 60-fold and, um, and then suddenly gain the, gain the world and lose your soul. You know, it, this, is just, this is just a troubling thing, but it's all toward the hundredfold. Now, which do you think the Lord would prefer? Do you think definitely the Lord doesn't prefer the enemy coming and stealing the seed? people ignoring it. And I think that the Lord is happy that people begin to move in grace, but they don't continue to grow in grace. And they say, oh, it's not worth my my position on the rock, so I'm just going to squelch this thing right now. We've got 30-fold. We've, no, we've dabbled a little bit in the deeper things, so now it's over. Well, you know, I want to preserve a position on the rock. I, I think the Lord is happy that they moved and maybe there's a residual blessing there, but I can't think he'd be too pleased with that lack of, it's almost like a lukewarmness that sets in. And you know what he says about that. Um, but this 60-fold, would it have been better for that person just to stay on the rock, have their momentary encounter with grace, and not be submarined by... Uh, the, the challenges of cares, riches, or pleasures. Now, how could you manage those three, those three things better? Well, the first one, you become, you make sure you remain like Mary. You know? And how can, how can, uh, how can the cares of this world keep you from moving forward? Well, I can tell you that just from an example here. I've testified and opened myself up to you about this. Um, you can become so focused on ministry and good things with seven or eight different varied things just in the couple of days where you're reaching out all over the place where you just become weary in well-doing, even though the Bible tells you not to, and you stop searching for the thing that brought you there. That's how you can be overcome by that first thing. And we need to take really careful look at our lives to ensure that that doesn't happen. The second is when you've got a lot of blessings around, I mean, you can, you can really, without being prideful, I guess pride could enter in there, of course. Um, you know, I've been around some pastors that the first... 10 minutes before you can get a word in edgewise, they brag about everything from 
their, 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 their church size to, you know, come and stand. You, know, you see this tower from all over the city, you know. They'll just brag about things. And I'm a pastor, so I'm in the club. I can say that. But, you know, I guess um, riches can really stoke pride. But I think the biggest danger to riches, pride is a bad one. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But I think the biggest challenge with riches is that you can just kind of enjoy the spoils. And, you know, you're, you're full and not necessarily hungry anymore. You know, the, the first instance with, with cares, you know, you're just worn out. The second is you're, you know, you're too big for your britches. And you don't have that hunger anymore. Fullness without hunger is folly in the spirit realm. And so you've got to be, you've got to be full and hungry. You've got to, the plowman has to overcome the reaper. It has to. That's King James 101. And I'm not talking about LeBron. That is what God wants. We have to keep pressing forward, and we cannot be as the guy who has builds bigger barns. You, you can't be that. Um, but the third one, um, this, this measure of iniquity that comes, hedonism, to where suddenly, the, the, you know, whenever God begins to expand you, um, purpose, iniquity is twisted purpose. We know that. We know that. And when God wants to expand uh, what he gave you as your eternal purpose, the way he expands is you have to keep having your heart circumcised. You, you have to keep on seeking uh, him for uh, being humble. You know, at it, 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 every point in the promised land where you're about to expand, and expand into something new, you meet there at Gilgal, and you've got to submit yourself in vulnerability to the Lord. If you don't do that, hedonism will take over. If you start thinking, if you start believing your, your uh, publicity shots, you're going to be in trouble, and you will not go forward into the hundredfold, the gatekeeper. You will not do that. Now, I'm not saying this is the case, but I, I do believe that God, God, this business of gates and doors is at every one of these, uh, every one of these junctures. But the end result is that we would be the gatekeepers of the Lord, and through that then, we are administering the proper function of doors and breakthrough, and we are, we are like the the pair the the story about spiritual warfare with the strongholds where you bind the strong man you take possession of the armor and then you begin to distribute the goods that's that's what Jesus said and you can lay over these four parts of the of the sower into that stronghold teaching if you wanted to do it but we're not going to do it today um so all of these things are obstacles on the pathway to being what Jesus really wants, and that is this hundredfold. You know, it's amazing how this hundredfold is used in so many ways in our life we don't even recognize it. Even the idea of a hundred percent. 
I mean, that 100% means a totality, you know? Um, the centurion, you know, the Roman army was built on centurions who were over 100 soldiers in strategic areas, and they would coordinate with other centurions. That's 100. Even our, our dollar is built into segments of 100. I mean, you can see this in so many, and there are more. Military time is in hundreds. And, you know, everybody recognizes this principle that when you really want the thing to function, when you really want to have uh, musculature in what you do, it's going to be based on this factor of hundreds. And, and so the hundredfold is really speaking something that the Lord is, is wanting us to pursue. So let's look at this person, whoever they may be. Verse 15, um, on, on the good ground, this is kalos as opposed to kakos. This is the New Testament version of tobe, kalos, good. Are they which in an honest, and honest again is kalos. It, they're honest and good. They're honest and good. They are honest, kalos, and they have committed themselves, agathos. They're going to function in harmony with others who are agathos. They are going to devote themselves to the fulfillment of what needs to be done based upon the good ground, the purpose of God. They let the purpose of God begin to, to be everything that constitutes who they are, and they commit themselves to it, and they are with others who are like-minded. That is a characteristic of the hundredfold person. I mean, you know, I, I, heard, I read a statistic this past week, and it says you become like the five people who are most important in your life. I never thought of that before, but it, it really is true. And that was, that was in a psychological journal, not that I need psychological help. But maybe I do from time to time. But um, thank God the Holy Ghost is a counselor. But that was something that was, is a validated thing. So you've got to be careful who you're hanging around with. You know, David spoke about, I'm not going to sit at the seat of the scorner. You know, John wrote about how, you know, you've got to be, be wary of those that are moving in, in opposition to what Christ wants. You know, the Belial people uh, in the Old Testament, which aligns with warnings against the Antichrist in the New Testament, you, they are thorns themselves, and you keep them at a spear's length. So uh, you've got to be really careful in this agathos. It, it, it's a twofold thing. You are committed to a common good, and you fellowship with those that are in your closest environs, and you choose that. Now, you can't do a whole lot about family, but hopefully your family is serving the Lord. But you choose who you're going to fellowship with. It doesn't mean you, you're restrictive and you don't love people, but who has an impact on your life? Who are you listening to? Who are you trying to emulate? And this is part of that agathos. But it's a twofold thing. You, you, and I think that 
if you're devoted to the kalos of God, his purpose, then you, you are automatically going to commit yourself to that, and you're going to be careful that you align with people who are that way. Jesus uses this description of people who are in this hundredfold gatekeeping authority based in the harvest field strata. And um, then it, it says, they have heard the logos and they keep it. This is kateko, which means they are absolutely wanting to do and they're holding on firmly, committedly to whatever is being echoed from the throne. And so you've got this threefold thing for a hundredfold person. You're committed to the purpose of God. You have, uh, no, you embrace the purpose of God. You are committed to it. You're guarding over those that you are being influenced by. And you are, you are totally devoted to the specific things that are written about that purpose from the eternal word. And you hold on to it and you say, I will be like this. I will insist that this be. That is a characteristic of the hundredfold person, the gatekeeper. And then you'll bring forth fruit with what? Patience. First sign of the apostolic. And that last one there, to me, I don't want to say it's the kicker, but it's the fuel for all this. Because even a person who has made it through the 60-fold, even the person who says, I'm devoted to the purpose of God as an intercessor, I'm devoted to the Word, I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm not going to smoke, and I'm not going to chew, and I'm not going to run with those who do. I'm going to hang around with the saints. And um, even that person, you know, patience, there's a different gestational period with every new thing that God is bringing. And, uh, you know, you can come, we've learned this just recently in our family, you know, when, when the twins were born, they came early. But this rascal, he, uh, he decided he was going to stay till the very end. And those last several weeks were no party for my daughter. I mean, it was rough. She wasn't complaining, but my goodness, the things she went through. And so you, you just, even in the things of the Spirit, when you are with patience, waiting for God to do what he's going to do next. You know, we've said this before, but the greater the vision, the greater the obstacle. You can't predict what you're going to face when you're walking with the Lord through the valley or how long he's going to have you in the valley. Sometimes victory comes, boom, and you're just amazed by it. That's suddenly of the Lord hits, and boy, is it a suddenly. I'm grateful for those. But sometimes you think, how long, O oh Lord? And patience, there's a reason patience that is, is aligned with the apostolic, that new thing from God that has not been known on the earth. You've got to, you've got to hang on. And I just think that the, the Lord saying that last <laughs> is such an important thing, 
you got to stay committed. Not only do you believe, not only do you work, not only do you submit yourself in humility and make sure these other things don't take you out. I can tell you this. These past, this past couple of years has been fruitful. But man, has it tested my patience. I want to get these things done. I want to get them done yesterday. I, I, I want I us to be able to break through onto the scene of the, the, the doors that God is opening around the world and the many that are hungry and reaching out through the Internet. And, and you know, I, 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 boots on the ground. We want to go. We want to do. And there are so many things that, that are pressing in, not just on our work, but other areas where you know God has promised he's going to do this. And then He mercy drops are falling around us. And we see, oh, yes, look at that wonderful miracle. Thank you, Lord, this, this, this. But it's not the downpour that you know is coming. And you wait. And then the enemy slides in and says, you know what? The Lord delays his coming. seems I read that somewhere in the Scripture. The Lord delayeth his coming. That's a tactic of the enemy, and it, it's when he tries to wear out the saints, I think that according to what Daniel says about the end time, I think patience is a big variable there. Patience is the way you keep from being worn threadbare. Um, and what kind of person are we going to be? Are we going to be the gatekeepers? Are we going to be the hundredfold? Are we going to commit ourselves in in the, the purpose of God according to the word and hold on to it with everything we are and commit ourselves firmly and watch who we're partnering with. Um, you know, even, even in, uh, you see, when you study history of, of great men and women of God, how many times when they came to that point where everything just breaks through, you see that area of alignment at the at the least it dumbs them down and at the worst it takes them out you know i'm from pittsburgh i've talked about how my mother was part of uh, the the intercessory the, the group of women for katherine kuhlman and we watched uh, that how god used her in amazing ways and we also saw how that in the midst of that amazing fruitfulness there were a couple of things that came where she let her guard down i'm not i'm not judging her i have the utmost respect and it it almost did her in on one occasion and it certainly caused problems william branham another one who uh, gordon lindsay was managing his ministry for many many years and there were incredible things that were happening around the world for this man that was greatly anointed but he wasn't highly educated. And, and so all of a sudden, in the midst of, at a pinnacle point, there were some guys that came along and said, you know what? We can show you how you can really multiply your ministry. And um, he started listening to them. And that caused then, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, Gordon Lindsay to separate amicably. He then went on to establish a great work, CFNI. But Branham basically went downhill from there because these guys were delivering, but they were delivering in chicanerous ways. They were doing things that really 
<laughs> were questionable. And, and, and that not only had an effect on Branham in a lot of ways, he, he established himself in Tucson, um, but he started to mentally lose it. He started thinking things that were like he was the great end time prophet and it just, just terrible things. So we have to really guard over this. And, you know, patience is, the, you know, patience is a big variable in every one of these junctures. And, uh, you know, you could extrapolate further, but I do believe that God is saying to us, he's brought us to this point, and in many ways on a, on a, in an international scene, and it, this is just what's happening. I'm not saying, well, look at us, God's going to do this next. It's happening right now. Right now. We are being positioned by the Spirit to take His Word and His purpose and sow it into many different uh, strategic locations throughout the world. And these are warnings to us. But for us right now, we're kind of in a holding pattern a preparatory pattern. And uh, we don't want to be like some kings in the Old Testament that God gave prophetic promises to, and they got ahead of God and got killed. We don't want to be like Uzziah, who was creative, the envy of the known world, and he got ahead of God, and you know what happened to him. We don't want to be like uh, Josiah. Or, or There are a lot of examples of that. So we're not pressing ahead to help God out. But then on the other hand, you know, all of these are warnings. And you can see why Jesus cried, he that has an ear, let him hear. Because some of the people, if, if you, I remember when I was in school, you teach, why did Jesus teach in parables? And what the answer was, some of you kids remember, because it was an agrarian society, and that way people would hear his message. They were all farmers. Well, that's true, but is that really what Jesus said? He said, I'm speaking to these people parables, but they're not going to understand, they're not going to see, and they're not going to hear. But to you, I'm speaking the mysteries of God. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Here is the meaning of it. And he starts talking these things. Do you think a, a farmer could have understood well, I think if a fisherman could have understood, a farmer can understand. Don't you think? <laughs> I think uh, I think if a if a guy that is known for the use of a knife could understand, I think a farmer could understand, because that's what Iscariot means. Now, a tax collector, I think he was sharp. He was the sharpest tool in the box. He had to be because he dealt with money and he dealt with people. And you deal with people's money in this right, Les. You, you better not look like a dummy and you better not act like one. Because people get a little bit testy when their money's involved. And I think Matthew could have picked up on it real quick. What about the sons of thunder? We want action. We want now. If they can understand it, a farmer could have understood it. So it's not as easy as saying he spoke in parables because this was an illiterate bunch of farmers. That's what I was told in the High and Holy Central Bible College. 
I don't know what they taught over at Evangel. It's all one now, so I'm sure it's the same thing. <laughs> but the point is, Jesus cries out. And as he's crying out today, are we hearing this? Are we recognizing that this is the mysterion of God? This is how God is working. This is the pathway of how he reveals his mystery. That's what Jesus said in no uncertain terms. How much of that mystery are we willing to work for him in? How far are we willing to go? Are we willing to spring up but say, you know what? I don't know if I want to dig deeper because this, this people on the rock are liable to throw me out, find another rock dweller. And uh, yeah, it was great. Grace came up, but that's it. We don't want to offend too many people, so we're done with that. Are we going to bypass the, the issues of cares and riches and uh, uh, heathen, hedonism? Are we going to bypass that? I hope we do. We continue to do. Are we going to then come into this point of hundredfold measure? Are we going to do it with patience? See? Okay, I'm almost done. Bev hasn't told me to stop yet, so I can keep going. Um, you would think that by the time you get to a hundredfold and you are really moving and shaking, you're at the top of the Mysterion tree, that you would know it and boom, 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 you just get it done. Why is patience left for that group? Think about that. This is the elite, and yet they have to wait on God. And the fact that they have to be told to wait means that it's passing every ounce of their wanting to get going with it. We want it, we want it now. We know how to do it. We've learned all these things. We've humbled ourselves. We've been promoted. We are at the gate. Let me show you the gate. Look at this. <laughs> As opposed to showing you the door, let me show you the gate. Don't let the gate hit you on the way out. Why is patience for that group? Why didn't it talk about patience for the people on the rock? Why didn't it talk about patience for these cares, riches, and pleasures people? Because when you get to this point and you have a responsibility for nations and for continents, God doesn't really care about your opinion or all the tricks you've learned in Pneumatikos ways. God cares about, still, your obedience and your willingness to wait on his timing. Because to me, he, to me that's, that's the biggest thing for God. He's about the journey. He just wants you to enjoy him as you're learning. And it doesn't matter when it's going to happen. It's like the angelic viewpoint. It is going to happen. Why were you worried? Why were you troubled? Why aren't you going? You see, angels are saying those kinds of things because for it is forever settled. The timing's in the Lord's hands. And so for a person who is being entrusted with this, dare I say, um, highest level of responsibility, patience is the last word for them. And so he that has an ear, let him hear. I believe that we are we're being prepared for this... Um, for, for this function, 
for our Father. And, and I think that a large portion of what our seminar uh, coming up in a couple of months is going to be the impartation of this kind of functionality. And, um, but I did believe that the Lord wanted us to see this. And, and so then he then goes on in verse 16 to speak about the light and uh, it being um, shed forth and the, the, the crypto of, of the things of God being shown. Um, and I, I really think that that is a, now it's not simply a, a second parable. It is what's going to happen when all of this works. And the crypto, the secret things of God are being shown. So anyway, I speak a blessing over all of you and over uh, all of our network family. It's, it's wonderful to be able to partner with you and to align with you. And I'm, I'm very grateful for our church family here because um, you, you are faithful. And I appreciate that more than I can say. And I, I think we need, to, we need to pray for one another that we will remain um, on the pathway that, you know, too much is given, much is required, and that we will be strengthened and that we will be safeguarded in this uh, very, is very much a, an essential part of these end times which is what the saints are to be. And so I speak blessing over you. I speak continued health and vitality over you. I speak strength. I speak restoration. I speak fulfillment. I speak that God will lead you into the next steps and stages of your development and service for him. And um, I think we're going to see exponential growth in what God is doing in, in all of us, and that's just going to be earmarked by function and fruitfulness. And so uh, the, the last thing I say is that this hundredfold group has to continue to fulfill the, the lessons of all the other groups, the other 75%. And God help us to do that. Amen? Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for entrusting us with this precious thing that is so dear to your heart. We don't want to fail you, Father. Of all things, I would say, I'm not really concerned about any of these other things I just don't want us to fail you. That would be an insufferable feeling. Help us to be pleasing in your sight and help us to be the type of people that are willing to follow you and to do as you say. I bless this people and I pray that all of us will fulfill what you have created us to do for you. And uh, I thank you for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Thank you so much for being here today. And um, we uh, will look forward to this Wednesday 
evening, 6 o'clock. And again, uh, just let us know if business meetings, financial meetings are so exciting anyway. And so uh, if you don't want to miss that, we'll let you zoom in. But let us know. Okay? God bless you. Adios.